Welcome to Ariel Talk Time, hosted by business intuitive, entrepreneur, and founder of Ariel, Victoria Lynn Weston. Listen to her thought-provoking interviews with inspiring leaders, creators, and intuitive thinkers who share their stories and lifestyle tips to enhance your way of living. And we're inviting you to join our conversation. If you like this interview, please post a review on iTunes or Stitcher. Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. It's Victoria. I hope you're having a wonderful day or evening wherever you are. And before I introduce you to my guest, who comes all the way from Wales, but she's soon coming over here to the States by way of California very soon. I want to talk to you a little bit about the future, and the future is all about voice. Do you remember 20 years ago when you had to have a website to survive, to sort of stay ahead of the competition? Of course you do. And remember all those people that said, nah, I'm not going to participate on the internet and all that kind of stuff? Well, they went out of business. Well, the same is true today because it's all about a hands-free, voice-activated, data-driven platform on Amazon Alexa or Google. But Amazon has, you know, has it hands down as far as the voice platform in that. My other company, which is Studio Carlton, will we produce and develop custom Amazon Alexa skills for brands, businesses, professionals. So whether you're an author, lifestyle consultant, or you're selling retail and products like avocado oil, which we produced a skill for Corinda Silva, who is the owner of the best, most pure avocado oil. She's based in in San Diego. So I want to invite you to check out studiocarlton.com. And I want you to think seriously about where you're going to be for the future. Because we're not going to have to be tethered to our desk if we can have access to an Amazon Echo device app on our smartphone. You can always use that, like even like if you're promoting a book, we can promote it by putting excerpts of the book in there and then cross-promote it to buy the book on Amazon. Or maybe you're a chef and you've you know curated all these wonderful recipes, whether they're video or audio or just plain text. You can put that and create a beautiful Alexa skill, brand it all with your content, your name, your photos, your images. And what I always love to do that nobody else does as far as the developers and uh, producers of Alexa skills is we do a, a call to action where we actually send users a web link to their mobile device, and that becomes a landing page and cross-promotes A, the book author, B, the chef that wants to feature a different recipe, or just to buy a simple product. But anyway, I don't want to get too long-winded here, so go to studiocarlton.com. Check out our great work. I think it's all awesome, and I hope that it'll inspire you to step up and have us create your own Alexa skill. Let's go connect with my guest, Dr. Rebecca Louisa Smith. And she was born in the United Kingdom. She came from humble beginnings as a personal assistant for a lot of corporate companies. And then she worked her way up to become an award-winning consultant and media personality who now has more than 10 years of film festival strategy and consulting experience. She launched the Film Festival Doctor. And the reason I wanted to interview her is because... Oh, I guess about 15 years ago when I was in the middle of doing my own production of documentaries, particularly on Victoria Woodhull, that was featured on PBS and other documentaries, as I launched the first online film festival that was called Zoe Films. And we featured film shorts, features all around the globe, and we would also stream them on the cell phone, which back in the day was actually a flip phone. It was a little on the rough side. But anyway, so I love independent films, and I love independent filmmakers because they're so passionate. And you're going to love listening to Dr. Rebecca Louisa Smith and about her passion. First, we're going to talk a little bit about her book, 
Born to Do It, and how she segued from working on a PhD to becoming the very popular and highly successful The Film Festival Doctor. Rebecca, it's great to have you here as a guest. That's interesting, you know. So you wrote this book, and you, and part of it was about how you help people find what they were born to do, like your sole purpose. And so how did you come up with the sole purpose of that? I mean, again, did you come up with the book idea and the sole purpose came after that? or? Yes, actually, sole purpose came after because um, I knew about sole purpose for a long time. I, I, someone told me this is what your sole purpose is when uh, when I explained my journey to get to London when I first moved there. So it wasn't like a book about sole purpose, but actually that became the backbone to the whole book was the thread was actually how important the sole purpose is. So that kind of just came through the writing naturally. So it started out as like, you know, the how to book to how to integrate spirituality into your business. But then the whole thing I realized that went through it was actually it's all down to the sole purpose. It's the backbone that drives the book. Um, so the whole thing is structured around it. So the first chapter is obviously how to find your sole purpose, what it is and what you need to tap into it to do what you're supposed to do, what you're born to do. That's how the title came from that as well. And then the other chapters um, all reference back to sole purpose, how that fits into each element of the business infrastructure. Right. And so in the book, you take you take people on a journey to help them, A, grow their business niche, and tell us how you do that. So how it starts is the whole structure of the book is it begins by explaining what a sole purpose is and how it's important. Because people who have been living their lives, not enjoying what they do and hating their jobs and their life, is because they're not living their sole purpose, what they're born to do. And I was doing that too with the PhD. I kind of I enjoyed it, but I just, it wasn't, it was felt like work. And it was struggles and I wasn't the kind of journey I was on. And it's like I didn't like love it and passion for the whole of academia. I enjoyed it, but it was a different form to what I experience now. So the sole purpose is the first chapter. And then it talks about how to um, identify your niche. Because when you find your sole purpose, it's all good that you are born to do whatever you're supposed to be doing. But if you want to make a business out of it and become like a proper entrepreneur and like a really sought after businesswoman or businessman, they need to really understand what your niche is and to pick that. So we talk about how to identify your niche, you know, so what area are you an expert in? So in my case, it was film distribution. What about the micro part of it? What's How do you boil it down to what your sole purpose is guiding you to? So in that case, for me, it's film festival distribution, so a specific area of that niche. And then obviously what we're best equipped to do is help people get their films into film festivals. So stuff like that. So it tells you to really boil it down, to really identify where your niche lies and if there's a market for it you know is there a business here you, you can make from it right then, now you say you say brand your business but you don't just say that you say energetically brand your business and how does somebody energetically brand their business that's right so one of the things my good friend told me colin arnold back when i was working at the film festival he said you've got to have a really strong logo and a good website otherwise no one will come into the shop and i was like good point so i designed a really strong logo that had a woman's um image of it, image of a woman on it yeah, uh, that's i like it the film festival doctor yeah that's right and the shoulder um but originally it was actually a really not a great logo so when I was at networking event in London, I met a woman called Marie Diamond, who's a feng shui expert. Um, everyone knows probably who she is, but she's in The Secret, and she does the feng shui element The Secret. Yeah. And she looked at my logo, and she was said, this is, um, I see what you're trying to do. You're trying to prove the points to, like, you know, a female in the film industry, and, you know, you're a woman, and it's a very cool logo with the black exploitation. Like, 
afro in the film reel. I can see what you're trying to do, but it's actually got a really low vibration and there's no pull towards you and your brand. It's all black and dark. So we need to turn things around because also the woman in the picture is looking away from the writing of your logo. She's got a back towards it. And that signifies energetically that you're turning your back to your customers. You know, you're, not, you're not looking in the eye, looking away from them, not towards them. So we need to really change this and brighten it up and actually put in it like a logo that will trust your brand promise and have more color to show the vibrancy and to show the life in it, you know, using her quantum colors technique. So I was like, oh, and then she changed it around like dramatically. So the woman now faces the writing of the logo and the film festival part is in red and there's gold in it as well. And it says London and Los Angeles. So now it's like a proper logo. And when I did that, everything changed when it was on social media, when it was on my website, people became very attuned to it. And they thought, this looks interesting, tell me more. And people wanted to talk to me. I got more interest from it on, on email in, uh, conversations. People have reached out to me on email, on, on, you know, on Instagram, whatever. But it was really interesting because you're not like letting your sole purpose shine here either, she was saying. It's not showing what you can do for your clients. It's pretty much dull and it's a lower energy. So well, well, did you know that Feng Shui, because um, I, I used to know a, um, a woman that basically did Feng Shui for marketing. And that had to do with all of the um, the business cards and the websites and how to bring in, you know, the yeah. water and, and the wood and all that kind of stuff. So it seems like you hooked up with a really good feng shui lady that was doing exactly those types of, of styling on a, on a business card. Absolutely. And she, like, changed my whole website as well because it was um, – some words were the wrong way. She, she said people look left to right and you have to energetically have the writing to, um, to the right and then to the left is the logo. But I was like, oh, so I didn't know any of that. And then there's just little things that she changed, like standing out with the color. Like there's a picture of me in a background that was black, which did make it more gray and like to really stand you out and to bring you out of the frame. People can't miss it. And when we did that, it changed and everything just changed. The whole energy just like went up at a whole nother gear, you know, to really, to really stand out. And it does work. Uh, I didn't know anything about Feng Shui until I met her. Oh, isn't it fascinating? Because I never really knew about Feng Shui till a couple of years ago. And I was just kind of really blown away about, you know, the art of placement, if you will, not just in, in life, but on like what we're talking about with you and how it changed your business on your business card and your website. So you're saying that you use the Feng Shui as a tool to energetically brand your business. Is that what how that works there on that chapter? That's correct. Yes. We also talk a little bit about color because when she met me, I was in like this black outfit and a, and a black nail varnish. It was not like too much of a gothic, but not particularly very abundant. And she yeah, was saying you sure. need to you need to have more color on you because this will change your mindset because you're thinking too small now because you've got these limiting beliefs, but color is a lot in you and it changes your whole um, mindset. So you have to, you know, wear more like saffron yellow to kind of build trust with your clients and wear more red, more pink, more gold for abundance, silver for magnificence, but try and stop wearing all black. When you bring and add these colors to it, it changes the feng shui of you and your mindset and it will change people the way that people that walk towards you and attract you. And I was thinking at first, like, well, not convinced at first, but then I saw her and she like shines like, shines like a diamond, literally. Like she had this massive gold necklace on. She had all this cream, this yellow and pink. And, what, and it was just like phenomenal. Like she stood out and she looked incredible. So then I took that on board and saying, okay, I'll give it a go. And I was like, wow. It's like I always wear saffron yellow when I meet my clients to begin the process of building our bond and trusting the brand. Yeah. And then it's 
and I go to like my go-to nail varnish color, which is like tends to be um, like saffron yellow as well, but also reds and pinks. Yeah. So it's yeah. So it, it it bizarrely it does. You don't think this at first, but it makes a huge difference when you add in color and people recognize you when they see you more than being tucked away just in a dull gray pinstripe suit that I used to wear because I thought that was the norm. When you stand out, it does really get people more attracted towards you in the brand. Yeah, exactly. Well, it seems to me in a lot of ways that you should be doing, um, having people sort of, I guess, reinvent their their personal style as well as um, incorporating yeah. some of that feng shui to energetically brand their business. But you also go on in your book about how to create a solid business infrastructure. And one of the most important things is a strong sales pitch. And I look at sales pitches the way I look at creating a log line for a screenplay. Is that how you kind of craft your sales pitch? Basically a one sentence log line? Um, a little bit more than that, because I was really bad at doing this back in the day when I was trying to close business deals. One of the things I say in the book is that, you know, it's great that you know what you want to do uh, with your business now and you've got touching to your sole purpose. But before you actually start working with clients, you've got to close a sale, close a sales deal. And I used to be really bad. Like I just throw information at the client. and It wasn't really a pitch. It was just throwing like, you know details at them and it was like you know like a tennis player would to their to their opponent with the ball so what my business coach told me uh who is Jolanda Miliota who I wrote in that book part of the book which talks about the business techniques is she said the way to do it is that you listen to the client 80% of the time and then you speak 20% of the time by asking them like real like open-ended questions to acquire information so you know then what their challenges are, what their pain is, and then that way you can let yourself and your sole purpose shine by telling them how you can find the answers and resolve the issue for them. So it's, it's when I say lockdown, you're kind of open with that, but then you have to then talk to them and say, you know, what is your main pain right now? What is your experience with X? What about Y? Did you speak to somebody else? Just like ask them and talk to them constantly. And then you know exactly where you can fit in and give them the pitch then. So it's kind of like building up the trust with the brand and also yourself um but I had lots of things missing from mine like I was guilty of just like throwing out information then not and also not building a rapport with the client and let them do the talking she said you know you must let them ask you questions too because it's a sign of interest because you know you need a lead one to know more about what you do it's the first step towards closing the business deal so it's a very kind of almost like an art to be honest you know letting them tell you what they need and then you can just fill in the gaps with your knowledge yeah so the other thing you have is implement cosmic ordering. And I want to know what that yeah. is. Yeah, cosmic ordering is a really fun thing. So uh, basically back in, I think I heard about cosmic ordering around 2013 when I first began to get more into the world of spirituality. And then a few years later, it wasn't until then I actually looked into it further. And um, cosmic ordering is was introduced to me by Ellen Watts, who actually also runs a publishing house that my book is published through. So it's a nice little connection there. And she's got this fantastic book um, called Cosmic Ordering Made Easier. And she explains what it is. So I thought it was like manifesting, but actually it's a different to that. And she said, essentially what it is, is that you ask the universe what you want, then it arrives. So it's like going into a restaurant. I want to order pizza and chips and lemonade. So it's something that has been around for years, apparently, since like the Bible. It's not something that she made up, but she talks about that a lot in the book. That's amazing. So, so now that you've done some of these steps yourself, I mean, do you feel more empowered? I mean, do you feel like your life is really picked off? And I guess that brings me, you know, to this. You, you've gone, you know, you have the film festival doctor side of you. You've got this incredible book, 
that teaches people how to become a better business, you know, leader using powerful spiritual techniques and that. I can see you more, you know, doing more workshops and, and talks about that, you know, even on, on, a, on a corporate level, whatever we get back to normal again. Have you thought about that or where are you going to divide your time into the film festivals or, or teaching, you know, people how to be more successful in business? Both. So film festivals is 24-7 with my team, but I've also got the time now where I can do those workshops and lectures, as you said, just put the head on the head. Because I talk about in the book how to um, implement cosmic ordering into your daily routine. So I mention uh, that when I wake up, you know, when I with my goals for each day, I put them into orders, you know, and ask that what I want to happen that day materializes, which it always does. But also how to that actually makes you trust in yourself and universe more. So I used to be a very stressed and negative person before meeting Marie Diamond and Feng Shui came into my life and cosmic ordering went for manifesting. Yeah. And I was very like, it was, it was quite a struggle. But now I'm a lot, I have a lot more faith. Even during this time now, it's like, you know, people are just fear everywhere. I don't buy into it. And instead I say really affirming manifestations and I place my cosmic orders. And that's for my business and also myself, but it's also the business because business is me because it's my business and I'm the CEO and founder like anyone else's that runs their business. So it's very important that you implement these techniques because you realize you see things happen more, your perception widens than you were previously. And that's how you then gain more trust and you, you can actually see yourself co-create with the universe when you see that happen. I guess I got to ask, we get all these feng shui things. And I always like to know that because people ask, you know, me like being a psychic that, you know, it's, can I win the lottery using that kind of skill? Yeah. So in the same vein, you've got all this stuff now. Are you in a, a better place um, financially? I mean, I have to go out and say, are you a millionaire now since you've gone and implemented all these great, you know, tips and you've changed your own life for the better? I mean, how do you feel financially? feel really, really good financially because it's the point where everyone thought this business, that I had this niche and what I do for my day job with my company would not make any money. You know, it's like it's a tiny area that you're working in. There is a demand, but after, can they afford it? But I may, and one thing I wanted to do was to prove people wrong was like, you know, there is a demand for it. There is a niche. People can afford this. There are high end filmmakers. There are filmmakers that are starting out that they can find the funds of what I'm charging here. So I, I'm in a much better place. I came to London with like no money, a bank account. I'm working hand to mouth. And now it's the opposite. I live in LA. I have a house in, in UK and I'm wise in my money and I spend it wisely and I look after it and it's a good energy around me. So yes, a lot different to what it was previously. And I can rely on myself and my savings and my business and not need to rely on anybody else like I was in the beginning. And I'm grateful for my, for my family helped me out when I was stuck back in the day, about yeah. 10 years ago. Well, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. you have your book, and I'm going to say it again, Born to Do It, Becoming the Leader of a Business Niche Using Powerful Spiritual Techniques. And people can buy that, I guess, at all the usual Amazon and online bookstores. But I also want to close, and we're talking a bit about the Film Festival Doctor, which is what you're going to pick up on when you come back to L.A. Um, and how does that work? If, I'm a, if I have a, a new film in that, do I pay you and, you, and then you help me with uh, whatever I need to get into the film festivals? That's right. So, so you're kind of like an agent then. So you take my film and then you look at it and maybe your team and you say, well, this is a good place for such and such film festival. So that would bring me to, you probably have some pretty good contacts in the film festival world. We do. We have loads of contacts in the film festival world, over 500. Some of them are very good friends of ours. We know people from right from the top to from Cannes, Berlin, Sundance, South by and Tribeca. 
right through to boutiques, small, wonderful independent film festivals. So yes, people come to me and say, right, I need help getting my film seen at film festivals. How do I do this? And then we... it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. And, you, and people have to pick out which film festival. Back when I was uh, hosting online film festivals, um, we used to get a lot of film entries from a company that was called then Without a Box. And then since yep. that, the Internet Movie Database, which is now owned by Amazon, bought that out. So how do, how do you find your film festivals? So now it's, as you know, Film Freeway. So we use that. But the way that we create a film festival um, plan and strategy for each client is we take several approaches to create it. So we look at the film and unpack it, think, right, where will this fit in the circuit? And then we think about the film's audience, where which festivals would be best suited for with their with the right audience. Personal program and taste, you know, so our contacts, we know what they like and what they want. So we put it into the right festivals with knowing what they're going to want to program. And also the type of film it is. So how strong a film is it to get into bigger festivals? Has it got the strength in there? Has it got the story? Is it is a strong story? Is it well executed? Can it get seen in the big boys or is it more for the smaller festivals? Um, and that guides it too. So we think about personal program of taste. We think about the film itself. We think about the film's audience and where best to place it around the world and where it can travel to. Very good. And then, um, so what is your fee? Do you base your fee on on how independent the filmmaker is, being is it their first time at the film, and maybe you know you don't charge them as much as somebody that's a little more experienced. Is it ex is it expensive to hire you? Um, I think it's honest. I think it's very for what we do. It's it's very good. So we have two different types of services. We have a consultancy service, which is where we create strategy for you, and then the filmmaker manages manages themselves independently. So that costs in dollars um, for the whole package, a consultancy, and then creating the whole strategy, which takes a couple of days. That's in dollars six nine eight. And then we also have the management package, which is where we do take on the whole festival campaign and we get it into festivals on the client's behalf. That is more because it's a 12-month contract. So it's a long period of engagement and a lot of work. But the fee for that, they begin um, at 4.8K in dollars for 12-month contracts. And they go up in price depending on how much you want. So they're very, they start at entry level and go up. So they're very reasonable and very good for all types of budgets. Very good. It's exciting. And what's the website for that? So the website is thefilmfestivaldoctor.com. Very good. And when do you plan on being back in Los Angeles? Well, I'm hoping. I've got a new lawyer now who's doing a really oh, good right. job. You said you had to wait for, I guess, uh, January or something. Well, it might be before because to get into the States from the US, sorry, from the UK directly with a visa that's been approved that I have, you have to get a waiver. <laughs> so that's being done right now. So he's working hard on that, my new lawyer. He's been wonderful. Um, so ASAP, you can, you can travel there back and forth. You just, you just need this waiver. Yeah. And obviously to get it is obviously a, a nice laborious long process because there's so many people that want it. So you have to just wait in the queue. But I'm getting there close, so very close. And I can't wait to get to, to LA back to my apartment. Yeah, I bet. It's exciting. It's certainly California is a lot more sunny than uh, the UK is at times, but uh, anyway. yes, they have yes, good yes. fish and chips in London, so. <laughs> yeah, we do. <laughs> they don't have it as good over here as the fish and chips. I've been looking. Yeah. But anyway, it's been a pleasure talking with you. I appreciate uh, you sharing your time, and I look forward to talking with you again in the future at some point, so keep me posted. Absolutely, and great that we have this mutual connection with the film industry. It's such a small world. Oh, I know it's amazing, isn't it? I mean, I used to, I love independent films and and all the passion and the creativity that goes into that. And I just you know over the years I had connected with so many interesting you know talented people. It's just and it's great for someone like yourself and even what I did trying to really help people you know get a deal you know get a distribution deal out of it and different things like that. So best of luck. I think it's a wonderful thing, and I love your I love your book, and I'm gonna have to check that out as well. 
Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Tune in next time as there's always something new to learn on Ariel Talk Time. If you're a professional lifestyle consultant looking to expand your brand, gain more recognition, or to be featured with an exceptional group of inspiring professionals, join Ariel. Visit ariel.com. 